it was a skincare company out of the UK. Yeah. They were doing about 20 sales a day and we did this qualitative. They scaled to 350 orders a day in like six months. They literally broke their infrastructure and they had to back it off to 100. Wow. Like they, wow. Like they had to shut down all their ad campaigns because they were like, okay, we were missing X, Y, and Z. As soon as we hit that, bang, it was gone. Hi guys, it's Ty here. I'm the host of this podcast and one of the founders of Monster Upsells. Uh, the upsell app that increases revenue without devaluing your products with scary offers. We build it for stores who really care about their brand, always looking its best. And it's it's basically all of your upsell dreams come true jammed into a cart drawer. So we're talking free gifting, unlock goals, one tick upsells frequently bought together. It's within this little cart that basically feels like it's supposed to be a part of your store. You're gonna love it. It's got a free trial. It's up to you, you can try it or not. It's all good, you don't have to. We also have a free marketing Facebook group that's just a community that you're going to love. There's heaps of free goodies in there, interviews and tips and tricks, what's working, what's not working in the industry and e-commerce today. But enough about me, let's jump straight into this interview. Alrighty guys, welcome back today. I've got Justin Christensen and this is gonna be our beautiful interview. Welcome, mate. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. I've been looking at this interview for some time now. We've been chatting back and forth over the past few years. And look, I just really gel with your team and everything you guys do and your philosophy. So thanks heaps for jumping on the interview, mate. Yeah, happy to. Awesome. I'll give you guys a quick background of Justin and his team. So Justin is a digital marketing veteran with a strong emphasis on implementation and optimization. He's the number one Amazon best-selling author of Conversion Fanatic, How to Double Your Customers, Sales and Profits with A-B Testing. And in 2013, he co-founded Conversion Fanatics, a full-service conversion rate optimization company that has worked with popular businesses like Snow Teeth Whitening, Dr. Axe, ButcherBox, Renew Life, Ministry of Supply, and tons more. I can just rattle them off. You just have a look at their website. There's just They've got a really good resume. That's one way to put it. Look, yeah, he worked with all those companies to increase their conversion rates and marketing performance by up to 30 to... It's got 18... Thousand, oh, 1,850%. You've increased the revenue of some of these doors? Holy mac. Yeah. <laughs> Hectic. I met Justin about three years ago when I was searching for a CRO team or conversion rate optimization team to work with the eight-figure client that I had. We worked through about six agencies at the time before we decided to work with his team. And I was referred by another mate who spoke very highly of you guys. And they definitely lived up to their reputation a few years later. I've referred tons of people to you guys and look, I just keep throwing more at you because I just I just think you guys are good at what you do. Cool. Justin and his team have a very simple yet powerful approach to CRO that worked great with our team to get quick wins with great communication. As you can imagine, he has a wealth of knowledge from over 5,000 experiments across many different brands and in different industries and niches for us to learn from. So Justin, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. Was that everything? Have you got a million other things that I'm supposed you, to throw on top me, of there? You make me sound like I've actually done something. <laughs> well, your team's done something anyway. Yeah. You pulled I mean, the right I, team. I've been, around the, I've been around the digital marketing game a long time. I think this is year, I think we're approaching year 22 for me. What? 22? Um, I, I, I think I was, I was in my early 20s. I'm, I'm older than I look. Holy um, moly. But yeah, I was in my early 20s when I started digital marketing and I've been full-time marketer for i think since 2005 holy moly ish 
So Man. before the internet is was the internet. What were you marketing? But yeah, so yeah, we've seen, we've seen some <laughs> was cool the things. internet to market on back then? <laughs> it was a wild west. It was a whole lot of fun. I wish we had some of those days now, but it was it was definitely fun. It was before yeah. AdWords was even a thing, but before there was software to split test, before there was really any of that. I mean, video wasn't really that was almost impossible. Man, I can't even. Long. I, I can remember back to when I got introduced to Google. That was yeah. literally my grandma introduced me to Google. And she's like, you just type anything you can think of. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know about <laughs> <Yeah>. this grandma. <laughs> They're stealing my details or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, debatable, but yeah, they definitely were like, turns out <laughs> yeah. uh, awesome. Well, let's, let's jump back to that, to that background. I, I want to learn a bit more about you. There's not too much on the internet about Justin. You said you were like a, I don't know, underground marketer at the time. So well, I, there was I no internet was, actually. So okay. I, I started in, in network marketing. Like wow. some guy introduced me to kind of a multi-level marketing thing in my little small town and got introduced to kind of really just personal development at, at that point. And I quickly figured out that I was terrible at bumping into people and asking them if they wanted to make some extra money. So I turned to the internet and I figured out the basically psychology of marketing and advertising and, you know, followed the ranks of, you know, all the direct response heroes like Jay Abraham and who I've been fortunate enough that he interviewed me about a year and a half ago. So kind of come full circle, learning from him way back 20 years ago. And then now, you know, he's interviewing me on my area of expertise, but kind of moved up the ranks through affiliate marketing, lead generation, eventually became partners on the company that I was a number one affiliate for. We grew it about... 600 some odd percent in revenue in about a year and a half. Wow. And I sold it back to my business partners at the time and started a private consultancy. Had a few failed attempts at a couple businesses within there, including an oil startup, which we don't need to go down that rabbit hole, but oil and gas play from tried to bring, tried to bring the internet into the old school world of oil and gas and it just didn't work very well, but that's um, awesome. Then, uh, yeah, just kept getting asked about implementation and I took on, you know, eight, nine, 10 clients with just me and kind of an outsourced, you know, designer, cause I'm definitely not a designer. Mm. And then I met, started working together collaboratively with my business partner, Manish, who was a longtime friend. One of the first people I met when I, my wife and I first moved to Austin, Texas back in 2007 and we just hit it off. We're pretty much polar opposites of each other, but a lot of overlapping kind of techniques. And we said, what's going to happen? We each threw money in a bank account and essentially said, let's teach optimization what we've done to grow, you know, eight figure businesses. And we quickly figured out that people did not want to learn it. Mm. They just wanted us to do it for them. So we started doing it for them. And then we figured out that there were a few CRO players in the game that were just charging an astronomical amount of money for basic designs and saying, okay, hey, you know, we think this will convert better. You go test it and then report back. And then we said, well, what if we just took that design and we actually tested it for you and we actually fine tuned it and we, Mm. you know, kind of dialed it in and then it eventually morphed into, you know, what conversion fanatics became. And that's, you know, obviously that's ever evolving and, and adapting, but we, 
you know, basically become your optimization department. It's kind of our our mission. It's like mm. every site optimized. We realize that as marketers, we're so close to it every single day and optimization just becomes less and less of a priority. And you move it down the priority list constantly and then all of a sudden you're not doing it but you know you should be doing it but you're yeah. too dizzy, busy in the trenches dealing with fires and and putting out other things versus actually being strategic about your marketing and making you know smart marketing decisions that are proven by data instead of just assumptions or you know you saw it on so and so site so you think it should work better so you make it and then it doesn't and then you don't know why all of a sudden your results aren't there so fast forward to that we've you know been preaching basically the same thing for a decade now and you know just the same thing you know i've everybody talks about just getting eyeballs on things and i believe the bigger piece of that puzzle and it's you know two sides to every coin is the the conversion piece you know you can't have traffic without conversions and you can't have conversions without traffic so everybody's talking about the latest facebook ads hack or the latest influencer program or whatever sms campaign or whatever you know the marketers, I say marketers ruin everything because they do. So we just continue to try to be the best company that we could possibly be. Obviously we've you know failed along the way, but we've learned a whole heck of a lot in the process. And we just show up every day and, and split test. And we learn and we adapt and we evolve and we help our clients do the same. And so yeah, that's my 20 year career in a nutshell. Wow. I love it, man. What's, what would you say your, you, you talk about, is it, it's Manesh? Is your partner? Manish, yeah. Manish, Manish. Between the two of you, normally when business partners come together, one's got like a, this is their, the way they think, this is their specialty, superpowers, this is what they do. And then you've got your own. What would you consider your, I guess, superpowers that you bring to the table to build that business? So I'm very much a go forward and break stuff type of mentality like nobody is going to outwork me like yep. nobody calls Manish even says he's like you're not normal like I'm, I'm not because I answer emails within 10 minutes I'm you know it's just like I'm always there and I'm always on whereas he is more the strategic overanalyzer yeah. put it into a systems and processes. So we fit perfectly together. Mm. Like I'm the, the, the book rocket fuel. Like basically I'm, I'm an implementer and he's a, you know, he's a visionary kind of type situation. So yeah. he sees that bigger picture and how the puzzles pieces fit together. And I just go run through it with a bulldozer and then he cleans up the pieces. So we went into the partnership where a lot of partnerships don't work. You know, they just don't because, you know, opposites attract or you're too much alike or you have different direction that you want to go. Through and, a few of those. <laughs> yeah, we all have. Yeah. But we went into starting Conversion Fanatics with literally $1,500 and an idea. Wow. We just said we threw each through 750 bucks in a bank account. And that was that's how it started. And even despite our past successes and, and whatever we had had. And we said, let's go in it with no egos. If we can't make, if, if we can't make the decision equally, like we don't agree on something, we're not going to do it. And we've lived by that to this day. And we very, we have never butted heads like to any, wow. like come to blows, like at any big time. Of course, we've had some disagreements in the process and not seen exactly eye to eye, but we're all yeah. like, 
agreeable. Like, hey, this maybe this isn't a bright idea because we don't agree on it. So we just mm-hmm. don't do it. And then if we do wholeheartedly agree on it, and you know, luckily it's it's worked out for us. And I, I think that carries over into the culture and how we operate the company and 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 how we do that is we just we show up just to what's best for our clients and our business. Yeah. And more so what's best for our clients and their customers, not necessarily that's how we think about it from an approach. Because I did a study not long ago, we tested on 140 million unique visitors in the last 12 months. Totally moly. I can't even count how many billions of dollars we ran through that. Wow. In the tw- in 12 months. In the last 12 months, yeah. Wow. So we see a lot of data. And I tell our team constantly, it's like, it's not us. It's not about us. It's not even about our clients. It's about the literally the millions of people that we help. Mm get great products or services like the client that we got introduced on, you know, they're sharing, they have great, they have great products. And there's a lot of companies out there that have just great products and services that we get to help sell more of, and we get to help get them in the hands of, you know, some amazing people. So that, that mission has kind of driven us to, to grow the business in in the way that we have. You've got some really cool brands there as well, as you've grown over the years. So I know Dr. Axe, Snow, I think it was. These are brands that I do, like I personally, like Snow's a brand that I do look up to in a way. They they freaking crushed it, coming out of nowhere. Yeah. Josh is amazing. Yeah, Hecked, um, like insane, so smart. We don't, we don't work with them anymore, but yeah. we did for the better part of a couple of years, but they yeah. just, you know, businesses change and evolve. Yep. But they're still, I, I still reference a lot of stuff on their site to yep. a lot of other companies because it's still stuff that we executed you know, even two years ago, it's still wow. in there in, you know, some capacity. Obviously we, it hasn't been that long since we parted ways with them, but you know, in fact, their director of e-commerce just referred us another company they acquired, you know, that awesome. is part of it. So, you know, definitely top of mind. How did you go from so you 1500 bucks in the bank account? Was there a time where you were like, you just a certain partnership or a certain relationship, like Dr. Rax, how that, how the heck did you find how did how did that partnership play out is it referral based is it how did that work out so the first couple years sucked for yeah. lack of better terms you aren't really active this is something i've realized is you're you as a company maybe it's just recently but you aren't necessarily active like full on on the gas on marketing on the front end it feels like it's more of a referral based company and that's kind of how you've grown or no, it, it wasn't that way. It's only been that way probably in the last 12 months. Okay, yeah. I mean, really, actually, I would say it's probably in the last nine months, really yeah, about wow. December of last year or right mm. when kind of everybody came out of their slump of the pandemic. So yeah, when the pandemic hit, every you know everybody freaked out. So mm. when we thought we were, we were done for. Really? Because well, optimization well, is like, well, let's just cut Well, everybody in e-com was like, what the hell are we going to do? And then all of a sudden, everybody realized, wait a second, everybody's going to e-com. Mm. Okay, I guess now we need some help. So yeah. then it, it went from like, oh, okay. And then it just took off like a rocket. So, but up until that point, we were, we would sponsor at least one event a month, like okay. trade shows. Like mm. we would go to marketing events like Traffic and Conversion Summit. We were at, you know, ad tech. We were at... I mean, we were flying all over the country with booth setups. Wow. And then we were, I mean, I was on, I haven't done so much recently, but I mean, I was on 20 podcasts a month. 
Wow. I was flying around speaking on stages. I was, we had a, a strong business development outbound engine. So we did a lot of cold email and cold outreach page straight out to like Salesforce. We took basically their playbook, tried everything from direct mail to, I mean, we sent hundred dollar bills to CMOs. We, I mean, of big SaaS companies, we, we've done it all. I mean, to the point where asking new businesses, CEOs out to lunch that were local, you know, it's like, we've, we've done it all. So it, it sounds like you've done everything, but nothing that most people would consider is just like normal digital marketing these days. Like, well, see, we tried Facebook that originally. Yeah. yeah. We tried that originally. It's like, okay, mm. we're legion guys, you know, yeah. we're, we're direct response guys. We can I've generate been in this leads. position too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we can generate leads. No problem. Let's just go do that. We'll play some ads. We'll tweak it. We'll, we'll optimize it. We're good at that. And it just, it never worked. <laughs> it's just like the, those decision makers were not making the decision, particularly at that time, because CRO was kind of just like, I'm not really sure what it is. Yeah they think split testing and they know they need to optimize, but they weren't really sure truly what CRO was. So there was an education piece to it and a real consultative aspect of it. But now come full circle in the last year, everybody knows what it is. Yeah. Everybody's understanding it. And we've kind of put ourselves in that position. You know, I, I say it's, we've gotten really good at referral and inbound marketing, but it took us eight years to get there. Yeah. Of doing a lot of the outbound. And, you know, one year, I think I wrote 120 blog articles, you know, wow. just because I wanted to rank for certain key terms. And then we, you know, hired SEO agencies and we did video ads. And I was, you know, I was making a video a day for a while. And, you know, we were just hustling, just knocking on virtual doors. And that's that started opening some doors. And in really a lot of it comes down to, I think the biggest factor is just flat out giving a damn yeah about the work that we put out there mm. you know i lose way more sleep than i care to admit and we don't always win i mean we have clients drop all the time and yeah. it's 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 it is what it is it's agency business it's 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 hard it's it's not not everybody's always going to be happy and you're not always going to hit home runs and but we win more times than we don't. And yeah. we show up every single day and we, we actually care. And yeah. I literally just told this to a company that's coming on board with us this morning. And I, I was like, you know, I, he asked me how we compared to other companies. And I'm like, I have no idea. Like, I, yeah. I honestly have no idea how we mm. compare to others. He flat out asked me how we compared to a certain name. And I was like, I don't even know who that is. Like, yeah. I, I don't. I can, I can tell you. I'll I'll touch on it a bit later. Like how you guys approach things compared to other companies. Because I I interviewed like six other businesses before we went with you, and there was some clear how do I say differentiating qualities about how you guys approach CRO and and not to mention you did have a referral from someone who I really respected. So that kind of probably made it a yeah. little bit easier. <laughs> um, but also but yeah. at the same time, that referral wouldn't have happened if we didn't give a damn. Exactly. You know, exactly. That's, that's the, the ever evolving cycle. And I guess that's something I'm people staged. can take away as well. Like give a damn about your freaking customers because yeah. they're the, yeah. I mean, give a damn about your customers, give a damn about, you know, just the work that you produce. And I, I yeah. see, and I'm, I'm sure you see it too. There's so many times where 
you know, you get a company that you're in the Facebook groups, I'm sure that all of the yeah. agency groups, they're like, oh, hey, I just closed so-and-so at $10,000 a month. Now what? Yeah. You know, they don't know what they're doing. They and literally reach out and it's like, does anyone know how to do this? Or like, yeah, does anyone have some, like, some, someone that I can hire to help do what I've just closed? <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, I couldn't feasibly sell something like that in nah. good conscience. Like nah. if, I mean, I've figured stuff out along the way in certain aspects, but mm. at the same time, I did this for a decade before I ever did it for somebody else. Yeah, totally. You know, so it's, it's kind of that, that, that piece of the, the puzzle there, but yeah, it just really just comes down to giving a damn yeah. and, and we do every single day we show up. It's like, I truly care about the relationship and how it's, you know, how my team is perceived and how, you know, how we communicate. And I, I literally, that's, that's all I care about. I tell my team every single day. In fact, I have an automated reminder set in Slack that just pings our team every single day. It says reminder communication is number one. Wow. Like I seriously, I don't care. Like, I don't care if, if a test is delayed, if something is, you know, set back or we run into roadblocks. Yep. It makes it so much easier and simpler if you just communicate as a whole, like, Tell them, give an update. Hey, we ran into a snake. We ran into roadblocks. So 100%. many people are so much more understanding versus mm. them now having to come to us and say, hey, you guys said this was going to be done yesterday. Instead of us saying, hey, we told you it was going to be done today, but it's yeah. not. You know, yeah. sorry, we ran into X, Y, and Z. That's so much easier to, to stomach. And yeah. I think that care, that level of care matters when yeah. so many people are trying to you know, get a buy with automation and, and, mm. and aspects of the business. And there's not that personal touch that, that needs to be in there. And people just want to be heard. We hear yeah. it all the time. This is something I hear working with, like whenever I've touched base with like eight figure businesses in e-commerce and stuff, we're just talking e-commerce here. Like they, they, they will do, they will go out of their way to kind of make the little stories like throughout throughout their brand so it's like i've i've re we reached out to this one person even though it's not getting out there it's not going out to a million facebook followers or anything instagram or anything like that they reached out to the one person and showed that they cared and they'd write a letter because something went wrong like something didn't mm -hmm. work out and that's like i i hear it time and time again with the e-commerce businesses that i would consider are more long-term focused not the ones not the ones that are just trying to make a million dollars today yeah. it's the ones who are trying to build a long-term sustainable business they have the same kind of qualities that you're talking about cool thanks for bringing it up man i i, I wasn't even going that way but yeah i, 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 I never I, know what i'm gonna say half the time yeah, that's all good that's all good <laughs> i i want to i want to jump forward to conversion rate optimization right so what is conversion rate optimization for anyone who's listening and why is it so important so like we kind of touched on i mean there's two sides of the coin there's traffic and there's conversions and i mean yep. Conversion rate optimization is really, I mean, CRO, it has conversion rate in the name, yep. but at the same time, it's not really much about the conversion rate yep. at the end of the day. That's kind of the relative number that comes with it. But really what it's the it buzzword. is, is it's, it's kind of like the buzzword that just kind of overarches because, everything that you guys did. Yeah. But everybody just thinks they're, they can magically take their conversion rate from 2% to 3% and it's going to fix all their problems. And that's not the case. You've got yeah. way too many inputs and outputs and yeah. products and SKUs and 
moving pieces in an e-com environment that just yep. people don't understand that it isn't as simple as just mm. changing the button color and it raises your conversion rate. So can we, can we go practical? Like what is conversion rate optimization yep. to someone who like doesn't so understand conversion rate optimization what, what that is. is the measure of really what the visitors truly care about the most on okay. a website and the, the practical nature of CRO is the improvement of your overall experience to the visitors. Mm -hmm. The actionable side of it is we split test stuff. So that's the vehicle at which we prove or disprove whether we're right about our assumptions or not. Okay. Yeah. We think this image is going to work better. Okay. We got to prove it if it's going to work better. So we test it. Yeah. So my practical explanation to conversion rate optimization is just measure of whether something raises or lowers your overall performance on a website. And that can mean a million different things within there. But overall, how I approach it is we use experimentation to yeah. figure out what holds weight in the eyes of the visitors. And then we figure out what can we add, remove, change, rearrange, restructure that'll help alleviate friction in that buyer journey. But friction, I know, is kind of a bastardized term in, in marketing these days, but it's it's really the only way to say that we're going to make the website easier for the visitors to do business with you. Yep. You know, the visitors are going to tell you what they like and dislike. It's not about tricks, gimmicks, tactics. It's about long-term scalability and growth. And to be able to quickly adapt and evolve and grow and scale, you need yeah. to understand which pieces actually matter, you know, to the visitors. So we use that for experimentation and we do split testing to prove or disprove whether we're right. And in turn, you see measurable improvement in not only conversion rate, but, you know, you'll see cost per acquisition. You'll see we've seen customer support complaints go down because we yeah. were able to answer a question on a product page. Wow. Add to cart rates and abandon checkouts and all of those key aspects. And then you've got the pieces that you can't necessarily quantify, which is literally the hardest part of my job. Because you have an omnichannel environment and you have influencers and you have all of these ad campaigns and you have all yeah. of these different pieces of the puzzle. How do you quantify that back to a split test? Mm. You don't. So you have to measure what you can quantify, take it with the qual you know, the, the qualitative side, and then you've got to kind of mash it together and make you're sure you're about like traffic's coming from different directions. So some is warm, some is hot, some is you sent an email to everyone who's purchased five times from you kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and then you've got somebody, Susie pops on a Facebook group and yeah. tells about, you know, how great, you know, or she's at a neighborhood block party and she tells her friends that you know, I got my shoes at this website, but what people fail to understand is when we live in this omnichannel environment and literally the billion dollar question is attribution. Yeah. I've worked with fortune 500 brands that have full data science teams that still can't solve it. Wow. So your, your, your Shopify plugin isn't going to solve it. I'm sorry to <laughs> break, burst your bubble. Are you sure Are you? the high race is out there, man? It solves everything. It might. <laughs> It does good. It does on that, I promise you. <laughs> but there, you know, there, there's that piece of the puzzle. And we know that people are, the studies have shown, I don't know how they did this, but people are more likely to spend 18% more money with a company if they deem the experience to be a positive one. Wow. 
what does that mean? Honestly, I don't know, but, or how they actually measure that because of the word of mouth aspect of it. But we can see it if you remove those frictions and those roadblocks and you make it easier for the people to answer, like answer their questions and yeah. handle their objections and, and help them find what they're looking for. They're going to do business with you. Your, mm. your business is going to grow. And we've seen that time and time again. Yep. And those companies that instill part optimization and that as part of their company DNA, meaning they don't make decisions without actually testing it or proving it out, are the ones that you know struggle the most. I mean, yeah. the ones that really embrace it see those big bumps and see those big jumps versus you know just grabbing stuff because they think it looks cool. Yeah. And applying it to their business. So CRO is really just the fundamentals of making your website perform better through creating a better experience. That's in my eyes, that's my definition. I love it. I love it, man. You, you, on your website, you talk about, I guess, the criteria for your team to be working with a brand. Um, now, I, I don't want to exclude everyone who's listening who doesn't fit this criteria. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a second, like something that will address them. But I just wanted to show the perspective and the, of the clients. Sorry, the, the, the scale of the clients that you're working with. So you, your website says that it takes on clients with over 30,000 visitors per month, 300 sales minimum per month, and a million dollars per month or a million dollars in sales in total? A year. A year, okay, a million dollars a year. Now, can you explain why the, that is the criteria for you to work with a client? Yeah, so the, the new stores, the small five, 10, you know, five, 10 sales a day, if, if the average order value is a couple grand, it makes a difference. But if they're just yeah. selling 30, 40, 50, $60 product on an average order value, it's gonna be very hard to one, ROI, and I have yeah. to be able to sleep at night, not just take money from a company. You wanna add value, you don't wanna, yeah. yeah. I, I have to be yeah. able to ROI, and if I yeah. feel like I'm gonna struggle and grind, I'm not gonna want them to hate me after you know three to six months when we haven't been able to deliver. Yeah, totally. Um, so, and testing just takes data, yep. and I can't, I can't predict it, I wish I could. I've ran thousands and thousands and thousands of experiments and I still can't predict it. But we, I mean, basically a test needs a number of transactions, whether yep. that be leads or sales. It doesn't matter really the number of, the volume of traffic necessarily as it does the number of transactions per day. Okay. If we have enough of that, then it, it's easier to ROI. Yep. So if they're doing a hundred sales a day, it's much easier. It doesn't necessarily speed up testing, yep. meaning the length of time we run tests, but it definitely allows us more opportunity to create bigger impact. Yeah. And, but anything less than really about 20 sales a day is, is kind of tough. Yeah. Um, so look, let, let's talk to the person who might be, say, a future client of yours, right? They're, they're not hitting 300 sales a day. They're, they haven't really explored conversion rate optimization and they don't have the data there yet. You talked about friction a lot just before. Um, can we explore the concept? Normally I'd say, hey, can you give us some tests, right? That are winning on most stores. And it's just an easy one for people to just add to their store. But the truth of the matter is it might not actually be a winning test for that specific store. Store, but is there some concepts that people can design their site with that is going to be practical to help increase their conversion rates or hit their goals and improve their experience of their customers? Yeah. And something that kind of works across many, but maybe it's more concept like 
concept driven mm -hmm. rather than, hey, change this button or yeah. Yeah, so let me walk you through that, that concept a little bit. So yeah. how I approach a store yeah. is I approach it like a shopping mall, essentially. You, you think of it as a brick and mortar shopping mall. You, you drive into the shopping mall parking lot, the ad got you to the, par to the, to the parking lot. Think of it as your homepage. Yep. The front door is your homepage. The ad got you to the door. Now they've got to find which department you want them to go to. You want to get them engaged in that shopping experience. And then you want mm -hmm. to help them find what they are looking for and then ultimately make a buying decision from that. So when you treat it like that, the visual takes a little bit like the, the concept of optimization and visitor journey takes a little bit of different context because so many people are talking about landing pages or where should I send traffic and I need this offer structure and I need this and this and this and this person says I need to do this and, and instead listen to what your visitors truly care about. Yeah. One, most people neglect their homepage. Hmm. They just use it as a brochure, but it's usually one of the highest trafficked and the highest converting pages on first interaction. Wow. Usually by double. Is that true? Sometimes. Okay. So if someone yeah. visits the homepage, goes through to the checkout, the, the data is there that they're more Pull up analytics to... on a landing page view on any of the websites. And I guarantee the homepage is either one or two or maybe worst case three. Yeah. Wow. And it's usually, if you look at that conversion rate or that lead to visitor or that visitor to checkout conversion bound like that, that number, it's usually quite a bit higher. Usually the time on site is usually two X. Okay. Bounce rates usually half. Yep. I mean, pages per session is usually way up. Hmm. Revenue is usually a good chunk of it on first. And we're talking first interaction. So and usually the bouncer, I mean, when you got that level of engagement versus just sending them to a bounce or to a landing page that might get a 95% bounce rate, yep. you know, it's a little bit different. Obviously you got top of funnel, middle of funnel, which we won't get into here, but there, I, I treat it like that customer journey. So like homepage collections, product cart, checkout, think of yep. those five key site areas. When I approach a site, I want to know very quickly who they are, what they do, what is my next step? And do I have it supported with any social proof? So do I have any aspect or reason I need to engage with this? You got three seconds. Give yeah. my attention. Tell me what it is. If you've got a ton of movement, which company we were talking about a little bit ago on their, their new website, it's, it's up here on the other screen and it's, um, it's flashing <laughs> at me. So it's kind of top of mind, but it, a lot of movement. I despise movement. Yeah. Nobody likes it unless carousels. Yeah, carousels constantly. So you, pop banner flashing, you know, yeah. you got free shipping and it's like, oh, use this promo code. And you, 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 you can tell me up. there's no like sure way to just know that an experiment's going to work. But I can tell you, like from my experience, carousels on the homepage is probably a test that's all like always going to yeah. work. I'm just guessing. <laughs> I don't see the experiments, <laughs> but nine times out of 10, it's, it's, I, I remove movement and it usually works. Wow. Okay. Um, movement. Kill it. So guys. movement. Yeah. So, I want to maximize above the fold of the page as much as possible. Usually yep. homepage, clear, concise call to action. I usually don't lead with an offer. Okay. Above the I fold, everyone who's watching is just what, you, what you're looking at as soon as you open up a page. Yep. As soon as it, and it's usually on mobile, so it's usually tiny. Yeah. And then you got to think people are used to scrolling. You people are normally right-handed. Yep. I'm left-handed, so I'm a weirdo. But, you know, they're usually scrolling with their right hand and their right thumb. The placement of the certain elements within there how they read left to right, 
going to the thumb, click on it. Usually not going to stretch over to the other side of the phone. You know, I've, you know, iPhones, so you got the whole thing. Especially because um, iPhones are freaking this big now. So it's like, you can't yeah, my, I'm, I'm still old school, but yeah, far um, out. <laughs> mine still fits in my hand, but it's, I, I look at that and then, okay, that's my message. Okay. Here's who I am. Here's what I can do. Here's how we engage. Usually some good imagery. Yeah. I generally don't go with video or a lot of the movement again in the background. Okay. And then right from there, I go to best sellers or top sellers or most popular or something specific yep. of a product selection. You're very purposeful about what that first interaction is and yes. where it's going to take you. It's not taking you to new arrivals, most likely. Right. Because, I mean, that's usually deemed for something like SMS or email or something like that for past customers. It's like, hey, you like our stuff? Great. Now we'll come back and buy more stuff. Yeah. First interaction People are looking for, and particularly, and it depends male or female. So obviously female shoppers are going to shop a little bit different than men. True. Yeah. And age demographics. So I'm, let's just speak, say for 25 to 45 female. Yep. They're going to typically shop heavy on reviews, heavy on bestsellers, free shipping sensitive, a little bit of price sensitivity, money back guarantee sensitivity, size guides, those kinds of things are going to be they're very intricate shoppers hmm. do a lot of comparison men are the opposite they're usually straight in social proof testimonials don't care about reviews free shipping doesn't matter not a lot of price sensitivity want to know wow. when they're going to get it money back guarantee warranty information you know how quickly can i get from point a to point b just like What's in the, the shopping thing? mall basically exactly yeah, same walk thing. in, I got my hat, boom, yep. I'm out. Which like <laughs> in there, your eyes are like, okay, I need electronics, I'm going there. Yeah. You know, that's that's it. So so I treat the homepage similar. I look at that overall journey. So I figure out, do they want to shop by category or do they want to shop by product and bestsellers? Yeah. That's the next section that I look for. Sometimes I'll couple it and I'll use like what or Instagram bubbles or I'll use something with the sub nav or I'll use something in there to kind of narrow it down. Yep. But I want to get them engaged in that shopping experience. I want them to get them clicking into something for a collection or something into a product, ideally mm. a collection because then you have options, but some companies just don't have a thousand SKUs. So then I'll get them into the collections and then I'll, I'll easily allow them to filter and sort. I minimize the hero section again, meaning not a bunch of fancy banners. Obviously you got an SEO integrity and some things in there, yeah. but you want to minimize that as much as possible. And you want to get them into simple ways, filter and sort, and you want to get them again, engaged in that process. So big, strong images of the product, usually reviews and usually a call to action button. I usually leave off price or that's usually one of the tests that I Okay. Test is to remove price. Yeah. And I'll test also grid sizing, either one buy or two buy on mobile yep. to see how well they engage it. And then the placement of that call to action button, again, keeping in mind where the right finger is, right mm. thumb. And usually labeling top sellers, best sellers, again, within that category or on sale or whatever items are in there. And then product page, which is usually the, the biggest catalyst and culprit try to keep very concise again above the fold carousel don't use a lot of thumbnails use dots subs okay dots pricing i use the dot dot dots underneath yeah. Yeah. so it looks like movement because people like to user generate user initiated scroll because everybody's used to 
swipe yep. right, swipe left Instagram and, and everything else. I usually do title and reviews above the, above the image, below it. Title reviews got... above the image, above the main so image. So I do title of the product and usually the review stars okay. above the image, the first main image, then carousel, and usually a description or testimonial or both. And then I'll put the price and quantity kind of tight into the button. Yeah. Some of the big things that we really, really test are placement of your split payment. So if you've got like Klarna okay. or Afterpay or something in there, which majority of people do, particularly ShopPay as well, is you put it kind of near the price and then you got your subscription elements if they're in there too, which we can get into a whole conversation yeah. just on subscriptions. But, and then I do in any in-stock notifications, like in-stock ready to ship, ships within 24 hours, that kind of language. Yep. to set the expectation or order today, get it by whatever, or it ships within certain time frame, And then heavy emphasis on your money back guarantee, your fast or free shipping, any savings or discounts that you have in there, any size guides, any other additional elements that you can fit kind of near and tight into that button. Yep. And then I try to get all of the other sub stuff in there as well. So I try not to get them to scroll super heavy on that page. If I do, then I'll create a, a creative call to action button that sticky. I just call them sticky. Yeah. Sticky buttons. Sticky to go with it. We do a lot of creative things with that now mm -hmm. where we'll actually incorporate subscription into that actual sticky CTA. Oh, wow. I haven't seen and that And we'll even incorporate like even after pay, like into the CTA and stuff. So it's kind of cool, but I'll do a tab system or an accordion system, but I've been doing a lot more right to left okay. where it's more of a tab system of your, your description and your yeah. money back guarantee and your reviews and just kind of nest it all in there. So you're not, and even video will we'll nest a video in there. That's kind of the structure that I look for in, a, in an overall. I try not to make it super long because again, most people aren't gonna scroll. Yeah, They might spin down, but they're not engaged in that content. And you can see it on heat maps. They're, you're gonna drop 75% by the time they're halfway down the page. Yeah. So from there, then it's cart. Add to cart, I usually skip the side cart. So a lot of people have the pop-up notification, such and such was added to your cart. Yeah. yeah. I'll skip that, either open the drawer or yep. I'll go directly to the cart page. That's usually a viable test. Mm -hmm. Then you have all that real estate. Hide your secondary payment options from cart. Hide yeah. your Amazon pays, hide your shop pays. Hide what about your the product page too? Hide it. Yeah, this yeah. is this is a, a discussion I have a lot with with yeah. people. It's it's just this simple thing. It's hard for people to get their head around because they're like, oh, it's I don't know. For some reason, people think that it's always going to increase conversions. Having that PayPal dynamic button that Shopify has added to nearly every single store automatically. No, they're going to add um, it on your checkout. So yeah. everybody's familiar with the checkout format and flow rate by now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's how many hundreds of thousands of Shopify stores out there slinging stuff and everybody's modeling Shopify's checkout. Yeah. It's just, it is what it is. So I take it and I streamline it down. So I will then carry over, make it very clear and concise if there's any savings, Yep. what product they're getting, if there's free shipping, again, the validity of in stock, ready to ship, ships within 24 hours, X number left in stock. If you if you actually have that, I don't play the gray line, so I don't fake it. Yeah. But if they actually have limited quantities, which, you know, sometimes you can run it on your stock counter in Shopify. Yeah. So even if it says it's 200 left in stock, who cares? People just know. Then I'll use your split payment again, 
validity of your money back guarantee and your warranty information. I'll add FAQs at this point. So any clarifying and any other social proof or testimonials, I don't leverage reviews. And then you can also do things like cart bumps, yep. gift with purchase, those kinds of additional items to, if you want to increase that cart value, it depends on your store. And then check out the, if you're not on shop plus and you, there's nothing you can really do. Um, but on Shopify standard and advanced, you can change the header image on checkout. So make sure your colors are consistent, meaning your buttons, your main calls to action buttons are consistent. I see this a lot where you get through this beautiful experience and you get to the checkout and it's like a black button and it's like nobody's customized anything and they don't even have their logo half the time. I see this um, on massive stores, even, even Shopify plus stores who can oh, completely yeah. customize their checkout. They haven't done one thing. Yeah. It's like crazy. I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. mind boggled usually, but usually I'll, I'll put, I'll change the image where you can just add your, your store contact info, like, Hey, yeah. questions, email, whatever, or contact us Monday through Friday, whatever that contact information is, or you can even incorporate your money back guarantee info into that header. You can't really test it, but I usually find it doesn't hurt at that stage to kind of yeah. just reinforce that buying decision. And then if you're on plus, you can do all sorts of stuff like adding FAQs and SMS and, you know, testimonial carousels and why buy from us and certain images. And again, carrying over the get it by and you can do checkout bumps and you can do all sorts of upsells, cross sales kind of situations. So that's how kind of I look at an entire yeah. journey. But then there are a million things in between there that you can split test to try to improve those, that performance. Yeah. And then we got the whole conversation of average order value, which we didn't really touch on, but yeah. those are kind I, of the things that I look for on structure. Well, there you go, guys. So uh, the, we didn't give you exact wins that are always going to win, but it's, it's more of like a, hey, it, it's kind of like what we were touching back on before. It's like friction, 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 remove friction. And that's also friction with like, I guess, reasons why someone wouldn't buy something. So adding, adding things like guarantees and shipping times and things like that, that's also removing friction from someone's purchase rather than it, it's not just removing like extra buttons it's actually removing those well, what do you call them objections i guess yeah. to purchase yeah and here's um, a here's literally the million dollar thing you can do if you you can't test meaning you have just yeah. you're a newer store you're smaller simply ask your visitors run get Hotjar or mouse flow or something on your site okay yes they're heat maps but they also have polling and surveys yeah Run a pop-up poll on there. Don't ask for email. Don't ask for anything fancy. Mm -hmm. Ask them one simple question. What's holding you back from trying our product today? Wow. Just simply ask them that question. Sounds, seems stupidly simple because it is. Yeah. Brilliant. You're not going to like the answers on a lot of them. Yeah. But that just tells you exactly where you need to fit, like where you need to fix. Yeah. I did this, I did this analysis and I actually helped him execute it throughout. This company was doing about 20, it was a skincare company out of the UK. Yeah. They were doing about 20 sales a day and we did this qualitative. They scaled to 350 orders a day in like six months. They literally broke their infrastructure and they had to back it off to 100. Wow. Like they, wow. Like they had to shut down all their ad campaigns because they were like, okay, we were missing X, Y, and Z. As soon as we hit that, 
bang, it was gone. And I also, if, if, if someone's giving you that kind of quality information, you can put that into everything <clears throat> else as well. You can put it into your every copy. Everything is going to grow. If you, if you know exactly why your customer isn't purchasing from you, oh, that's powerful, man. <laughs> I did this with a men's brand years ago, and I've spoke about this a bunch of times, and they had a scent guide. Mm. And well, we asked the poll on the product page, and the, the visitors were like, I I don't know what scent to choose. The scent yeah. guide was on the page. It just wasn't where it was visible. So we just made it stupidly obvious mm. right next to the button. When they dropped down the selector, it clicked it and it said, oh, it smells like X, Y, and Z. Okay, great. 32% bump in checkouts. Like that. On wow. Mobile. That was it. It was just that simple to, to carry that over because we just... They, it was there and we thought it was okay, but the visitors still had that objection. So we just mm. moved it to where they could see it. And sometimes that little simple thing, and that's, that's the, if anybody gets anything out of this conversation, yeah. it, and I think you were alluding it, to it earlier when you were kind of talking about the incremental pieces of it, but so many times people think they need a new theme or they need a new bigger image or they need a redesign landing page or product page or they just need to redesign their home page. I have, I can count on one hand in the last nine years how many times I've seen a re full on redesign do better than the previous site. I am told every single day every single week I get a conversation. Hey, you know, we're looking for conversion rate optimization. Okay, great. And they're like, yeah, about three months ago, we redesigned my site and I just smile every time because I know exactly what's going to happen. And I know exactly where that conversation is going to go because they didn't test anything. They didn't base anything on it. They hired some fancy design firm or somebody said they can create them a new theme or so-and-so yeah. said the X theme works better. And it doesn't. Because you have familiarity with your brand, you have familiarity with a lot of the elements and pieces, and you have the returning customer aspect. It might only be 25 or 30% of your business, but it's a big piece of your business. And if that familiarity is now gone, unless you're replatforming or you're completely rebranding and you've taken that next step, that's the only time to do it. Instead, take the incremental approach to it. Yep. Meaning, turn over every single rock. You mentioned snow, for example, at the beginning. That was our motto for a long time. We took some of those kind of big chunks out and took the, the low-hanging fruit. And then all of a sudden we were literally turning over every single rock on that page. Like mm. does this little sentence convert better than not. Does this word convert better than not? Does this little image do, you know, I mean, it was literally every stone was being flipped over on that site. Yeah. Every, down to where the links in the nav were going. And I mean, all of that stuff. And that's what takes to really fine tune. And I can't count how many times I've seen a full redesign, tank conversions 50%, and I've seen one word change boost something 80. Wow. Because you're, you're, you're not you're taking those big swings and hoping something sticks and just casting a wide net because you think it might convert better instead of, okay, they really respond well to social proof okay, really great. Now, how can we use social proof in 10 other ways to carry it over? Or they really, really like using Afterpay. So how can we position Afterpay in a different way and really solidify it? Or, hey, they really like, you know, the discount on a subscription. Okay, how do we put more emphasis on the, on the subscription? Yeah. You know, you're learning from those behaviors and those experiments and building upon those things. 
and then just simply knowing what to test and what to not, you know, I mean, there's, there's so many kind of big lever movers. And a lot of times companies will start with us and be like, I thought you guys were going to do something more exciting than that. It's like, well, in the beginning, no, it's pretty anticlimactic because Hmm. we're just trying to figure out, you know, you haven't tested before, or you've just, you know, tested some random things once in a while or made some changes or tried to growth hack your way into it. Instead, we're deciding, okay, do they really care about the movement? Do they really care about, you know, moving this element or hiding the quantity selector because your product's three grand and you don't, you know, and they're not going to buy more than one anyway. Does that really have a big leverage? And it's just understanding those behaviors of the visitors and you're going to, that's going to help you grow and scale. Yeah. I experienced that dynamic like firsthand with that client that I was working with you guys yep. with. I was their digital marketing strategist. There was always this dynamic where there, there's half the team who are more about creative and the marketing team and running like promotions and, and monthly promotions and redesigns and all of this stuff. And then I was that filter that would go, hey guys, is there a, a real reason as to why we're changing something right now? Or is there a real reason why you just want this feature smack bang in the middle of your homepage just because it's the new thing to do? And, I, and, and I'm really thankful once, once I started working with you guys, I was like, holy mackerel, that was just me filtering with gut feeling and, and me just doing my guessing game thing. I'm like, okay, I've seen a million, I've seen all these sites. I'm the one who's in the in the weeds, in the thick of it, who are looking at optimization. The marketing team, they're not quite in there, in that game. And I had to be that filter. One of the great things when I started working with you guys was we could just remove that guessing game and just be data led. How often do you come across brands who are kind of in that same position? And uh, yeah, more time. <laughs> Every care to, more times than I honestly care to admit because yeah. there's so many people that just they come in and they they're so ingrained in that growth hacking environment and I call yeah. it growth hacking because it's like so many people and again it goes back to marketers ruin everything because mm. so many's gonna say you're gonna make millions doing e-com just find a product and blow out an offer and piss off an entire audience and yeah. make your million and you're done instead of building a brand. Yeah. And they think that they need to swipe it from somebody else. And mm. then you got then you've got your branding people oh, swiping it from someone else. That's people. just got flashbacks, man. Like the, oh, the, the marketing it's, team going, hey, these guys are doing this. We gotta do it. I'm like, no, we don't have to do that. <laughs> so we're gonna do this. A, we don't have to luxury, do that. <laughs> well let's call them a luxury home good product. Yeah. Expensive product. And they fought us on literally every single test that we wanted to run. They said, yeah. we don't see any of our competitors running it. I said, well, your competitors are probably not testing it. And even if one rule of thumb that I learned a lot of years ago is you do not have the same inputs and outputs as business, the other business. You, if you swipe something exact, meaning you copied it just exact as you can get it, you are likely only going to get 10% of the results that they got from that same exact piece. Yeah. Because you have different brand equity, you've got different inputs and outputs, you've got different cost structure, you've got different nuances to your business. So I always tell people, I don't care what you're selling. It doesn't matter to me because we're dealing with people at the end of the day. They all have wants, needs, likes, dislikes. You have to figure out how they perceive your brand. 
and your pieces of marketing because you could be selling the same skincare product with the same value proposition as somebody else, but they need a 3% conversion rate to make their numbers work. And you mm. might only still need a one and a half. You might have a $65 average order value and they only have a 50, you know, so those pieces of the puzzle are not an apples to apples comparison. I so many times it's okay to swipe and it's okay to take concepts and strategies and use those things only if you're testing it to see how your visitors are going to respond to it. Hmm. So many times marketers get stuck with that. It's my way or not, or yeah. it's, you know, I feel like this looks better. It's like, I don't care what you feel like. Take your ego out of the, out of the game. I'm proven wrong. Still constantly. You, you ruined my ego when it came to conversion rate optimization. As soon as I Good. started working with this. Yeah. I was just like, what the heck? I, the, the amount of failed tests to me, like, and this is the funny thing that you said at the start, I think when we started, the, the amount of failed tests is actually good, like to, to actually know how many failed or whether something is going to fail. It, almost more sometimes than what's actually going to win. You win yeah. or learn. Yeah. It'd be like, okay, we tested that. Oh, it didn't work. Okay. Mm. Now, why didn't it work? Now, mm. what can we do to either iterate and try again yeah. or be like, let's, that's a stupid idea. Let's not do that again. Let's go some other direction. Yeah. And I've been fortunate enough. I, I mean, we're good at what we do just because simply we, we test so much stuff. You've done so much. It's, yeah. it's not like we have some magic pill and I tell that to people all the time. Mm. It's just, we put some common sense to common sense and data behind marketing. I mean, mm. it's not, it's not like we're reinventing the wheel and then we just, you know, put the muscle behind it to make it go. That, that's really the secret of it. We just follow the data. And we yeah. test everything and I bring that unbiased, fresh perspective where somebody just, it's their baby. They've done it. They're in there every single day. They're nurturing it. They're, you know, they're, they're seeing it and they've got the blinders on that. They kind of fail to see some of the simple things that, that can really, you know, amplify their, their results yeah. and, and trying to steal from other people. I mean, just, and then they just apply it. Mm. I just, I, I don't get it sometimes, but me when we were at the stage where we weren't working with your CRO agency uh, any advice I give people is okay if you're gonna if you're gonna copy someone if you're gonna copy any website because you can't afford data testing and everything like that if you're gonna copy someone try and find someone who is doing CRO testing it's it's not the best thing you can do like but if you can't afford it find someone who is doing conversion rate optimization don't copy Nike who who might be doing it now but i mean don't copy these big brands who have like like what 20 30 years of like legacy brand building where they don't give a rip like the, what you said before like their business plan is hey let's just acquire as many customers as we can over this many years we only need a 5% profit to make the business work or whatever yeah, two percent profit to keep things rolling. We got share. We got investors. We don't even care. We actually just want to look good for the investors on our website. Oh yeah, that's all people they can buy anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So the moral of the story: try and find people who are doing Sierra. And look, I'm just. I'm just being sneaky here. Like have a look at these guys and who the clients are that they work with, and maybe have a look at some of those sites. Yeah, don't it's, copy it's everything, but to see who's doing it right. Yeah. And. What's some good ways to know if someone's actually doing it? I mean, if it one, it looks like a good experience. Like you can yeah. literally go on there and this, this just like makes sense. Yeah. 
I can picture myself doing business with it. And I'm constantly doing it, even non-clients. Yeah. I'll shop at something and I'll be like, this site is amazing. Like mm. uh, an example that I use all the time is sweetwater.com. Okay. I'm a musician. So I'm, I'm literally staring. I've got five guitars sitting right here. So I'm in Sweetwater is an online music store. I wish they were a client of ours, but they're not. But I use them as an example. The experience on that store is so good. Oh, awesome. The experience when you do business with them is so good. Yeah. I can buy a simple $10 pack of guitar strings and I will get a personal phone call from somebody that's packaging my order that says, hey, Justin, just want to make sure you're going to enjoy the strings. Then I'll get a text message a week later saying, hey, I see that your package was arrived. Is everything good? Like that to that name, it's not an automated message. It's literally, what? I mean, they're probably kicking it through software for sure, but yeah, but everything in there, I know exactly where I'm, the search function works. I can navigate. I can, I know exactly what to do. They have expert help if I need it. And then like the experience is just mind blowingly wow. good. So I take and pull from sites and ideas that I do business with. I don't pull from sites like Amazon. I don't pull from sites like Nike. I don't pull from sites like Apple. Yeah. The amount of times that I see people say that I want to be like Apple the, is going to make me scream. Yeah. You're not Apple. Yeah. I'm literally staring at thousands and thousands of dollars of Apple products. I copy Apple 0% of the time. Yeah. Because nobody can make a stupidly clean site and charge stupid amount of money for products in the e-com world they just can't i mean it's just not the not the way so you've got to create a better experience and differentiator in a different way and yep. in order to do that you need to test and you can't you can't just assume i think that's probably the biggest takeaway probably is yeah assumptions in marketing kill your results you can't assume that something is going to work or not going to work mm. unless you prove it. And if you just throw it up there in hopes because you thought so-and-so did it or, Hey, they must be testing cause they're a huge company and we're, you know, we're good there. It's like most of these companies are clueless. Mm -hmm. Like I've worked with some pretty massive companies, like talking billions of dollars in revenue and they they don't know what they're doing. They, they don't test anything. They are getting by on brand. They've got multiple teams trying to prove their job every single month. Like that's the nature of it. It's like you live in that corporate environment where yeah. the marketing team's talking to the branding team that's talking to the product team to talking to the, you know, whatever team and nobody can make a decision so then they're just like okay they come to a happy medium of what they think it should look like and they roll it out but they have a massive audience and a massive brand equity and they can do that wow obviously you have smart ones that are in retail like you know coca-cola and you know those kinds of companies that obviously play the game at a different level so you can't mm. copy that kind of brand equity but and then you've got these stores that are doing you know 150 200 million dollars that are just on point like mm. that just nail their customer journey and their message and their their pieces so you got to steal with what you feel feels good 
you know, to you and what you feel your visitors could, could do, but put your eye yourself in the, in the shoes of your visitors, not yeah. that you think it looks better, but like, Hey, this is a really cool concept. I think our visitors might enjoy that. Okay. Borrow from it, test it, prove it out. If it works. Okay, great. If it doesn't iterate retest or, you know, table the idea and move on to something else. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the beauty of optimization. But a few differentiators that were the reasons why we went with conversion fanatics over our other brands. And I'm not just here to try and sell you guys because I do have other friends who are in CRO and they, they do a great job as well. But I'm just telling you my experience, why we kind of started partnering with you. And I don't have ego, so I, I don't care. I'm just here to provide value. So. Yeah. Like, uh, like some CRO ag agencies, look, they, they go with gut feeling. And the truth is you need to start with gut feeling. You need to- And you're going to get to 100K a month. You need to yeah. get to- yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, totally, totally. And and there's, there's a place for it. And probably most people who are listening right now are using gut feeling and that's okay. However, th there does come a point in time where you do have to, you have to use data if you can. Or it gives you, it gives you an unfair advantage. If you're using data over your competition who's not using data, someone wins. When we started working with you, you were talking about... Um, maintaining brand integrity as being a, a really important element to your conversion rate optimization. It wasn't conversion rate at all cost. It wasn't like, Hey, let's, let's just try and get you to 10 to 15%. Like that's our goal. That's the, that's the whole KPI. If we can get you to 10%, we're winning. You actually brought up the whole concept of, Hey, look, there's some things that you don't want to do as a brand and there's reasons for it. You've got your own story. You've got your own brand that you're trying to build over that long time and lifetime value is something that you need to bring into conversion rate optimization increasing average order value is great on that sale today but if you're going to ruin some ruin your reputation while you're doing that that's just not the way to approach it and you're the you're actually the first i guess person that i spoke to that started bringing this into the conversation let's talk about that a little bit yeah so that's a big one to me because i can't do it with a company like burt's bees or Harry and David or something or, you know, like the 1-800-Flowers brands and all of that, I can't go in and use tricks, gimmicks, tactics, fake scarcity, fake urgency, you yeah. know, that in stock, you know, low quantity, you know, you know, going to sell out soon, you know, all of that fakeness that comes into it with them. I don't expect it to do with any other brand. Yeah. I tell people I can boost your conversion rate. You're just not going to like me in six months if I do it the quick way. Yeah. When now all of a sudden your offer doesn't convert or when now all of a sudden you're in a nosedive of race to the bottom on price because everything's on sale all the time. I, I tell people I can boost, anyone can boost their conversion rate. Just run a 70% off sale today only. <laughs> and you can rate. Primer go on it, throw some urgency, pop, 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 done, yeah. flashing red lights. Everything must go. Boom. Sale. You're... Mm -hmm. But then you're out of business. Yeah. So if you're building a long-term brand, you need to keep the integrity of that brand. And yeah. we've worked with companies that they do not discount at any cost. Nothing's on sale ever. And that's fine. That's how they're perceived. But if they, then there's other brands that run it very few and far between. Mm. You know, we got one that runs a friends and family promotion once a year. It just actually just ended. <clears throat> it's massive. It comes before there. It's bigger than their Black Friday. It's bigger wow. than all of it. And 
that's their big sale of the year. And I mean, they are a luxury brand and they do Black Friday, Cyber Monday, but it's kind of a little low key. <laughs> but they make this big wave. But the rest of the time during the year, we have to keep it scaled back on the urgency and scarcity. But the gloves come off for friends and family. Like it's, wow. but it's fine because just like everybody does for Black Friday, Cyber Monday, you can kind of take that irrational buying behavior and, and roll it in. But yep. the brand equity to me is is number one. I mean, mm. if you're a business that's been in business for three or five years and you've built up this customer base and you've sold many thousands of products and you've taken all this time for research and development and you're sourcing and new styles and SKUs and all of these things, why would you want to tank that because some drop shipping guy said that it was, you know, you needed a timer, you know, or you needed, you know, your, your add to cart button needed a wiggle, <laughs> you know, yeah. those kinds of things that, that yeah. play in it. I mean, there are, there, there's a time and place for it. Yeah. And there's that kind of pieces can be done tastefully. Mm. Scarcity is good. I, I like. I I want to make sure that we're like. Yeah, scarcity yeah. is good. Time is a good, it is. but it's like it's within. It, it's got to fit within the whole strategy of what you said before. Your brand uh, integrity. You see that brand strategy. Effort. That's that's the key. Is it's yeah. just putting it up there is not a strategy. Yeah. But if you're running a legit promotion and you have like we had a client that only did limited runs of these certain children's clothes. Yeah. And they sold products. It was only a certain style and everything. Actually, they're an Australian company, but they do certain runs of it and they literally yeah. lock down the store. They do one release. They have limited sizes. They have limited quantities. It's first come, first serve. We play on that and you lean into it heavy and you go mm -hmm. hard. But everybody knows it. Like they know once they say we're done, we're not making it anymore. So either you buy it now or you're not going to get it. It's that simple. So the, the visitors have been accustomed to that versus just saying everything's on sale. We've got limited quantities. We're never going to make it again. And it's just always on sale. And yeah, we just keep making more of the same product. That's different than, and eventually the visitors catch on to that and they stop coming back. And now your 30% return customer rates 20 and then it's 15 and then it's your average order value is a hundred and now it's 80. You know, it's like those kinds of things start slipping instead of taking the normal ebbs and flows with business and adapting and adjusting. So, yeah, integrity yeah. to me in, in the brand equity, I know what it takes to build a brand. I mean, I've seen it firsthand, obviously, with the Conversion Fanatics brand. I've seen it with so many countless others that I know it's it's hard to get it back once it it slips. So... I take that serious when it comes to, to optimizations. We're never going to do yeah. anything. That's why we're, everything we do is on approval too. So we don't push anything live unless everybody is in agreement that this is going to be what we're going to do. Or we're going to, we think this design looks good. We think it's on brand. It's like, oh no, we need to tweak this. Okay. Then we tweak it. We adjust it and, and then we roll it out. But everybody's got to be happy with it at the end of the yeah. day. One thing I also liked working with you guys was when I... Like I, I've got my head in the game and I do know, I did know the brand and I knew like you guys only know so much. You guys know what I tell you, I guess, of what's important to our brand and all of those brand integrity markers or whatever what we believe is the most important to us. But what I loved was 
being active with your team and going, hey, mm-hmm. hey guys, I want to test these five things. I've seen it elsewhere. It's okay to go. I've I've seen it on our competition or I've seen it over here, but at least I got to be a part of the process and give it to you guys and you guys got to test it. I want to encourage anyone who ever works with you as well to try not to do the hands-off approach because you guys have got a hundred, you, you talk about you've got a vault and a vault of all of these tests, winning and failed tests and things like that that you can quickly go through and you do get, you, we got some wins straight away. Like we were adding, I think it was like 20,000, an extra 20,000, $50,000 each month for this store's revenue quickly using your vault, which was awesome and great. But there was, there was times where I was like, hey, it was really valuable for me to be active in that process and finding things for you guys to test. So it's, I just want to encourage all of of anyone who works with you to actually stay um to be a part of the whole process not to just sit back and just let your team do everything i don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing from your perspective but yeah well it can be a bad thing yeah it depends um, who it is i guess like i, I have my brain yeah part, i talk about it as a collaborative effort so just yeah, like you were going to hire good. somebody yeah. internally yeah. Just like you were going to hire a, a, a team to do I saw it. you guys as our data nerds. You're like our data nerds who are like a tool that we, we had in our toolbox that allowed us to do our job better. And it is, but we, we also see things differently than what our clients see. Mm. Like you saw things from the inside that we couldn't see and never yeah. could even learn to see. Yeah. Because you saw more moving pieces of the business than we did. Yeah. So... Therefore, you had insights that we could leverage to make things more effective and do what we were doing. So we don't, again, it goes back to ego. Yes, we have a vault and it's 82 right now, currently. We've whittled it down, but that we use for general concepts. And that's just a jumping off point because there's never a shortage of ideas. There's never a shortage of concepts. As you get testing, things are going to evolve. But we bring that fresh unbiased perspective, but you're also going to bring that level of and then the level of expertise from the inside at the same time you're gonna we're gonna test something it's gonna see x result and that's gonna spark 10 other things in your mind being on the inside be like what if we did this or hey oh yeah this reminded me of x y and z over here what if we tested that great bring that idea to us we'll prioritize it we'll adapt it to your particular business and test it out and see whether it works or not you know, it's not, it's not a one-way street when it comes to optimization. So I do encourage that collaborative yeah. aspect as long as you're embracing the process of optimization yeah. and being patient in that process because you can't obviously rush data. You can't just constantly be in, this is top priority, this is top priority, this is top priority, or you're never, you're going to then get into the spray and pray yeah kind of scenario of optimization or split testing and then you're not going to learn or win the the rate you want to win yeah Um, but yeah i encourage it yeah awesome let's talk about your book that you you brought out i only discovered it like a little while ago so i haven't read it i confess here we go i need to get it um what's in that book in fact i've got a banner oh yeah oh it should be one of those others yeah you got your pictures there you're gonna have it up there (laughs) so it's Funny enough, it's the same artist that did. I've actually got a lion, <laughs> oh, lion picture. It's the same artist that did my book cover that did this Einstein, which is <laughs> it's actually called Definition of Insanity because it repeats. So I kind of like keep that as my focal point. And then this is actually 
the constellation over Temecula, California, where I spoke at an event in 2019. That day, it's the in a heart. It's actually, you could see the lines if you're up close, but hmm. it's got the stars over that spot that day and it's signed by all the participants. So yeah, well, anyway, that's why I have it in there. But yeah, I did write a book. Talk to us about this book. So I got tired of telling people the importance of optimization way back. I wrote it in 2015. Yep. But I wrote it to stand the test of time, at least in concept. Obviously some okay. of the examples might be a little dated in there, but yeah, I wrote it to be as evergreen as possible, but I wanted to really just dump, I guess what at that time was what, 14 years of my history as a marketer and just really talk about the importance of optimization and the key pieces. But I wanted to write it in a way that every visitor or every person of every skill level could glean some idea from it. So whether you're a seasoned marketer or you're a marketer or you're a newbie, you'll get something out of it. And I've had feedback from all walks, like people that have never done testing before and they find some great ideas and it sparks wow. some concepts. Hell, I find my own concepts in there sometimes pretty rewarding. I'll, I'll open it up and be like, hey, this is actually pretty good. And then I've had it passed around entire marketing organizations at very large companies like, you know, Quicken Loans, for example, took it and bought a bunch of copies and, and passed it around to their marketing team. But yeah, I wrote it just to be as evergreen as possible to kind of spark the idea of optimization and get people thinking about, you know, split testing and, you know, the psychology that goes into why people make decisions and why people make buying decisions and, mm. and do what they do and click on certain things and, and, and taking that concept. But really, I just did it as an education piece. Because I certainly didn't get rich as an author. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've heard of many rich authors who've made their money being the author. <laughs> no, it's a great business card, but yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to say not, that. And I'm and I'm even not even in shape in the picture, so it doesn't look like you. <laughs> doesn't even look like me, young, young kid. I, would you suggest buying that book if you not necessarily at the stage where someone could work with you? This is this is gonna help yeah upskill me as a as a store owner or as a marketer within a business that's not prepared to work with you yet. Yeah, I mean yeah, sweet. I don't care. I mean, to me, actually, I'm gonna give away. I'm gonna give you guys a copy of it here in a second. Yes, Let me make sure I have it right. Conversionfanatics.com/slash/freebook. Yep. You can download it. No opt-in. No, Perfect. Nothing. Awesome. I'll put a link. Yeah. Whatever this this video is on, I'll put a link somewhere. Yeah. So download it. It's a PDF copy of it. Yeah. Um, yep. Again, not getting rich as an author. So yeah. the, the few pennies that Amazon kicks back every time somebody buys something, it doesn't really <laughs> make sense. But, but yeah, I think anybody of any skill level, I don't care if we work yep. together or not, just, you know, download it, read it. If you hate it, prop up your coffee table with it. I don't care. But it's... At least I think somebody will get some idea out of it. Yeah. You know, there's some some pretty cool examples and concepts and ideas and just thought mm. process around marketing and strategy in general. And really yeah. just my mind of seeing what I've seen over the last, I guess at that time, whatever, 14 years. Yeah. But I still think it's, I, I literally flip it open, you know, probably once every few months and I'll browse a few pages and be like, oh, I, I remember that. And then it'll spark some new kind of idea or concept that we take and apply someplace else. 
Awesome. Cool. Thanks, man. Thanks for today. If people want to reach out and start working with Conversion Fanatics and everything like that, where were they going? Uh, ConversionFanatics.com. So just there we go. go there and you can get a free analysis. Yeah, just fill out the form if you want it. Those are no obligation either. Like that's the that's the cool thing. It's like I'm not, I'm no pressure. We're no pressure. If we can help, we're going to do everything in our power to do so. If we can't, we'll be the first to tell you. At least they'll point yeah. you in the right direction. But hopefully some people found some value out of this today. And yeah. If you have any questions, I'm I'm available. This is what I do all day, every day. And, you know, I'm, I'm always happy to help and, and be a guiding resource. Awesome, man. Thanks for your honesty today. And your, I, I feel like you're, I don't know, there's, there's an integrity about you that kind of just flows throughout everything that you kind of talk about. You're not trying to hit me with bells and whistles, which is kind of fresh. It's a... It's a it's it's nice to have in this whole digital marketing world <laughs> and i appreciate i appreciate hearing that honestly yeah. uh, just because I, I i do take pride in what we do and and it is it comes down to just giving a damn <laughs> yeah and you know that that's it and like i said we we don't always win every single time but you know we we try hard and that's all i promise people is we're gonna we're gonna give it everything we got and, yeah and that's what we do we just I keep showing it. up awesome thanks guys you heard it